so good to see you all. We are going to get started with worship, so go ahead and stand up. As the Spirit was moving over the water, Spirit, come move over us. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. As the Spirit was moving over the water, Spirit, come move over us. Come rest on us, come rest on us. So come down, Spirit, when you move me, make my heart pound. When you fill the room, you're here and I know you are moving. I'm here and I know you will fill me. Come down, Spirit, when you move me, make my heart pound. When you fill the room, you're here and I know you are moving.
You know, for me, I find great hope and comfort in the fact that we serve a God who not only is so powerful, so incredible, someone who goes beyond our very understanding and comprehension, but he's also a God who's so very personal, who longs to have a deep and personal relationship with each of us. And I don't know how you're feeling stepping into this place today. You know, you could be on that mountaintop just feeling the joy of the Lord today or you could be in a place where you are just right in the middle of that fire and you're just feeling lost, you're feeling hopeless, you're feeling struggle or grief or doubt or shame. But my encouragement to you today is that you are in the right place. You are right where you need to be. And the very God of the universe wants to meet with you here today. And one thing I love that we do as a church is we do take time to pray in service and we pray for our needs. We pray for things that we're dealing with. And so if you're finding yourself in a place today where you have a prayer need, it could be the death of a loved one or uh, a sickness that you're dealing with or somebody you know is dealing with. It could be that you're struggling financially and looking for hope in that way. Whatever you're facing today, we wanna take time and space to pray. And if you're finding yourself in a place of need, I would, I would love to encourage you, just take a seat and allow the people around you to come alongside you and to pray for you, either by laying their hands or stretching their arms out towards you. And let's just pray together and invite God.
to do what he wants to here today. God, we come before you, Lord, and we are so grateful to be in this place. God, we know that you are already here, but Lord, we are crying out for your spirit to move in such a personal way today. And God, all around this room, and even maybe some of us online, there are needs, there are things we are believing for, praying for. God, we just lay those things at your feet. God, we invite your Holy Spirit to do what you want to, both in our lives and God, in our situations. We surrender all things to you, knowing, God, that, that you care for us deeply, that you cry when we cry, that you comfort us when we need it. And God, we not only pray for our own needs, but Lord, we also pray for the needs of the community and, and the world. Uh, we lift up, God, Christian Life Church. Lord, and we know that you're doing a great work there. We just pray that you would continue to advance the kingdom through their ministry. God, we also just lift up the, uh, the ministry happening in Mexico, God. The Gomez family and how they are raising up a church that even despite COVID and the things, God, that they have had to face, that you are still bringing fruit. God, you are bringing lives to your saving knowledge. And we give you glory for that. We just pray that the kingdom would continue to advance. Lord, we give you all these things and we, we give you the rest of this day. God, we just pray that you would be glorified. God, that our hearts would be turned towards you today. We pray all of this in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus. And we all said together, amen, amen. Well, if you're in the room with us today, I would love to invite you to, to find your seat. And if you're joining us online, we are so glad that you're here. We just pray that this service would speak to you, that you would feel God's love towards you. And uh, one thing that we do as a church is we try to help you find connection and community. And the best way that we know to do that is through our online connection card. You'll find a QR code in the seat back in front of you if you're here in person or your host online will post a link. And we just wanna encourage you, you know, it doesn't matter if you've been here for 10 years or if this is your first time here, we would love for you to fill that out today. And there are places where you can respond, whether you have a prayer need or you're looking to find more connection and community, or maybe you make an important decision today, like giving your life to Christ. We wanna know about that. And we wanna walk alongside you as a church and encourage you. I also love that we're not only a church that cares so well and deeply for each other, but we care deeply about our community, the three communities that we are a part of, Muskegon, Coopersville, and Spring Lake, and also, we care about the world. And uh, a few weeks ago, it's so cool because we had 20 or so uh, All Shores people run either a half marathon or a full mar marathon for the Team World Vision event on October 16th. And those 20 people together with all the people who supported them, they were able to raise over $29,000. $29,000 for Team World Vision, yeah. Give God praise for that. And um, just putting that in real practical numbers, what that money was able to do is provide clean and sustainable water and wells to 594 children. So that is 594 lives that were changed by the power of God working through our church. And we're just grateful for that. And we're asking for more. 
And I know for me personally, you know, when I hear stories like that, it just prompts me to look inward and think how I continue to give and serve faithfully, advancing the mission of God's kingdom in and through the church. And uh, this is the time of service that we take actually to worship through our giving. And you'll see uh, behind me on the screen there, there are ways to give. You can do it electronically. You can do it by giving uh, in physical boxes that we have by the exit. But my encouragement for you today is to just have a personal conversation with God. And please know too, like if you're new here, there is no expectation for you to give. But if you call All Shores home, I would love for you to just pray about how you can continue to financially support the ministries that are not only happening in this church, but in our communities and around the world. And with that, we have some amazing things coming up actually over the next few weeks. And so I would love for you to turn your eyes to the screen and see what's going on here. Hey, All Shores family, I want to invite you to take some time aside to join us for a worship night on Friday, November 4th. We're going to gather here at our worship center in Spring Lake at 6.30 p.m., and we're just going to take time as a church to sit in God's presence and worship Him together. And I don't know about you, but every time I come to worship the Lord, even though I'm bringing gifts of my own to Him, my thankfulness, my adoration, I find that God still has the best gift of all to give, and that's his presence and his peace. And so with that being said, I hope you will take some time on Friday, November 4th to join us. Be sure to mark your calendar. We can't wait to see you.
starting again? Oh, there's a few of you. Time changes next week. You should, so you get to sleep in next week, not this week. Uh, no, it's good to be with you today. And uh, we are in week four of our series, Give or Take. And uh, if you've been with us, hopefully this has been a fun journey, uh, but also a challenging one. Uh, maybe you're doing the Bible studies uh, in the, on the bookmarks that we have. I know that's something I've been doing yeah, during the week on those five days. And it's just been challenging to sit with the Lord and kind of hear more about his generosity and his character. But more than that, just pausing and asking God, what, what do you want me to do in response to that? And so today we're actually going to uh, take a little bit of a shift and say, what are God's expectations when it comes uh, to that give or take in our lives? And what are we going to, uh, how are we going to respond to God's generosity, but also what he is calling us to do? How will we respond to that? So we believe that the Holy Spirit is here, that it's God's Spirit that speaks to us. And so it's not what I say. I'm not going to convince you, persuade you, uh, but it's what God reveals to us. And so there might, there's going to be something different for all of us today. And so we want to be open to what God has to say. And if you're not a follower of, of Jesus, maybe today, uh, just to listen in. And I want you to know, going into this passage uh, that we're going to talk about today in this, uh, in this series, that everything that God has done, all of his generosity and everything that God calls us to do is for you. That God wants people to come to know him as their savior, to find forgiveness of sins, to find new life, to find new direction in their life, to find purpose in him. And so all of this is about you. So if you don't have a relationship with God, I just want you to listen in today because I hope that you will capture some of what God is after. So we're going to pause in prayer. And uh, in that silence, we're just going to ask God to, uh, to open up our hearts and minds to what he has for us today. The grass withers and the flower fades, but your word endures forever. And so God, as we open up your written word, we pray that you would reveal the living word, that you would reveal yourself to us today and reveal what it is that Jesus has done for us and what he is calling us to do. And Lord, uh, I pray that if there's anything of me that it would fall to the ground, it'd be forgotten, but whatever you have, that it would challenge us, that it would correct us, it might convict us, but Lord, ultimately that it would change us, that we might be more like Christ. And we pray this in his name and all of God's people said, amen. Well, not yesterday, not uh, this weekend, but last weekend, uh, my wife and I spent most of the day, and it was a beautiful day. People kept asking me, hey, did you get out? Uh, did you enjoy the day? No, um, we, were, we were stuck, um, and I don't, see, I don't say stuck. We, we intentionally went to Grand Rapids, and I'll tell you why. Uh, I love watches. That was a leap, wasn't it? But I like watches. I think I got that from my grandfather. My grandfather valued uh, his watches, and when he passed on, um, both of my boys received a watch, and they're still working. My oldest wears his often, um, and so they're still working, and, uh, but mine was not. So I bought one years ago at a pawn shop that I really liked. It was a nice watch, and I found it in Indiana, and it quit working on me. So I bought another one similar to it that was on sale, and it quit working. So last Saturday, I went to the jewelers to pick it up, and when I picked it up, uh, the jeweler said, uh, yeah, we sent this to the manufacturer, and it's, uh, they can't do anything about it. They don't make the parts anymore. 
I said, it's six years old. They said, yeah, we're sorry. You know, here you go. So I was like, oh, all right. Well, it so happens that, uh, you know, you would think, well, maybe I should quit with this analog stuff. Maybe we should go digital, right? We, so a few years ago, I bought my wife an Apple Watch. And once you know that last week, it quit working on her. So we spent time at the Apple Store. That's where we were. We were in Grand Rapids at the Apple Store all afternoon trying to figure out what they could do with her watch right after I found out mine doesn't work. So... They took it, gave it back, and said, hey, yeah, we can't do anything with this. But you can buy a new watch. So my wife bought a new watch, which my grandfather would say, that's how they get you, right? They don't make them like they used to. So anyway, we walked away uh, with her watch, and I just spent all of this time, my afternoon, we spent money getting this watch, and I, I was asking myself the question, is this worth it? Like, I could have been doing some other things. Like, why is it that we value, at least my wife and I, what, is there something about watches that we value? And, and, and should I? I mean, I can find the time almost anywhere. I could probably ask Siri right now, and it would tell me, right? Um, I use a male voice, a butler voice for my Siri, because I just like to have a butler around. So, and it's an English voice too. So he would probably tell me what time of day it is. But even right now, while I'm looking at you, I can see two clocks in the back of the room. I know that my microwave at home tells me what time it is. My car does too. I don't necessarily need a watch, but I value them. I spend a whole afternoon dealing with watches. And then I started asking myself the question, does God value watches? <laughs> does God even value time? I mean, after all, He's eternal, right? So he uses time. He intersects our time. The scriptures say in Galatians that in the fullness of time, God sent his son. He, he finds time to intervene with our lives. I don't think he needs to know what hour and minute it is. He's, he's eternal. I would like to think that he's a little bit like uh, the statement that Gandalf makes in Lord of the Rings, right? Gandalf makes this statement. I think you could put God in there where... I'm never early, nor am I late, but I arrive precisely when I mean to. And isn't that how God works? He's not early, he's not late. He shows up when he wants to. So I don't know that he values my watches, right? And let's be honest, what I value, God likely does not. There are things in my life that I value, that I place value on, that are my possessions, that God really doesn't care about. And that's probably true for all of us, right? That uh, what we value, God likely does not. So let me ask this question. What do you value? What do others say you value? So while you're contemplating what you think you value, what is it that other people around you, and I know somebody is like already doing this, right? Uh, if you're here in Spring Lake, there's an elbow because they know, your spouse knows, right? Your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your family knows what it is that you value. And if they're unsure, just ask Amazon. Because they know. Right? If you use an app, if you use Instagram, you use Facebook, if you use Amazon, Walmart, whatever it might be, there are algorithms that help you to figure out what you want. And that's how they market to you. Right? 
So while I was writing my message, I, I thought, I'm just going to check this out because I know that this is kind of true. So I went on Facebook, and right there on the side of Facebook, there was an ad for Lions gear, Detroit Lions, which is sad. <laughs> but I had just bought a few weeks ago something for my father-in-law who loves the Lions. And, uh, and I realized, oh, because I was on there and searching for NFL gear, it, it showed up. And right underneath that was for solo stoves. Does anybody have those solo stoves? I don't have one. I want one. But I don't have one. But I've been posting photos on my Instagram of me sitting around the campfire. And I was like, well, that's a little scary. So there are algorithms that help us to understand. You don't need to do it right now, but I will challenge you. Go home. If you don't know this answer already, go home and go online. And Amazon and Walmart will be very happy to tell you what you value. Because you've been searching for it, you've been buying it, and you know what it is. Others know what that is for you. And chances are, I'm going to take a guess, chances are what you value, God likely does not. It doesn't show up in something that he cares about deeply. It's just something that we care about. It's, it's our possessions. It's our wealth. It's what we have. It's our time. It's our talents. It's our treasures. What we are putting ourselves and giving ourselves to, those are the things that we value. So if God doesn't value what we do, it begs the question, right? What does God value? What does God value? And if we can answer that, what does he want to do? What does he want us to do about it? What does he value? What does he want us to do about it? We're going to open up a passage from Luke 16. And I think Jesus is going to help us to answer those questions. So if you've got your Bibles with you, you can open them up. You can use your phone. Uh, we use the Version app on, on our phones. And, uh, and, but we'll have the scripture here on the screen as well. So Luke chapter 16, and we're going to start in verse 10. Jesus, while he was teaching his disciples, the crowd, those who had gathered around, he said this, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, that is your possessions, who will trust you with true riches, which is something that is of more value than worldly possessions, something that has eternal value or kingdom value when it comes to God. And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? Man, if you can't be reliable, is how you would interpret, reliable with little when it comes to the kingdom, why would God ever give you more to handle? It's a good question. These statements here, though, they follow a parable that Jesus taught. So these statements don't stand in and of themselves, but they come out of a story of a parable that Jesus was teaching the crowd that day. And the parable, if you look in your scriptures, will likely be called the parable of the shrewd manager, meaning the wise manager, which is kind of an oxymoron because if you read the parable, you will realize that it's about a dishonest manager. So why would God call him wise or why do we call the parable the parable of the shrewd manager. We're, let me just share a little bit about the parable. I won't have you read it right now. We won't get into it. I just want to summarize it for you. 
Jesus said there's this rich man. He has all these possessions, so much so that he has to hire somebody to manage all that he has and the people who owe him money. But he finds out that the manager was being dishonest. And so he went to the manager and said, yeah, you're done. You're, you're not going to be my manager anymore. And it doesn't say that he gave him two weeks, but he gave him time before he let him go. And in that time, in that time frame, the manager, who's now afraid, says, man, I, I don't want to work a hard job. This job's been cushy. I don't want to work a hard job, and I don't want to beg for money. What, what should I do? And he comes to the conclusion that he should go to everyone who owes the rich man possessions, and he'll give him a discount. So he goes to one, and he says, hey, what do you owe? And they're like, well, we owe 100. Eh, give me 80. Goes to another, what do you owe? 12, 50. Uh, give me 25. He just keeps cutting what these individuals owe. And we could get into the text and why that might be, but he basically makes friends with all of these individuals. And he says to himself, if I can make friends with them, then when I lose my job, they will invite me into their homes. They'll take care of me. And so he goes back and he gives what he has taken and gives it to the rich man. And you would think that the rich man would be frustrated or condemn him, but instead, the scriptures say that the rich man commended him, called him wise. Why? Because he had taken his possessions and he had created something more valuable with them. He had built relationships that would last. He built relationships with individuals who would care for him, who who would be there for him that would be longer lasting than any wealth that he could hold in his hands. Wealth goes away. Relationships, oh, they matter. They can be not only for a lifetime, but they can be for all eternity. And this is where Jesus is going. So it's out of that parable, right, where he teaches that the manager used worldly possessions to create something more valuable than wealth, that Jesus goes into the teaching and says, ah, what have you done with what God has given you? Have you been trustworthy with the possessions that God has given you, or have you been unjust? Have you just used them for your own benefit? Have you wasted them or have you been honorable? Have you used them for something more valuable? Are you building relationships? Are you thinking of eternal things? Why would God give you property if you can't manage the property he's given you already? You see where he's going? He continues, and this is the drop the mic moment. He says, no one can serve two masters. It means to be enslaved. No one can be enslaved to two masters at the same time. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Boom. I picture Jesus wanting to just kind of walk away. You know, I thought about doing the message and just getting up and saying that and then just walking off. Because this is kind of a big moment. And Jesus says, you can't serve two masters. And we know this. We know this makes sense here, right? If you're an employee somewhere and you answer to more than one person, you know that there have been times when you're working where you were asked to do two different things at the same time or in two different ways. And you're like, oh, great. Who am I going to 
Who am I going to make happy? Am I going to serve my supervisor who I have to work with every day, or am I going to make the boss happy who's over my supervisor? If I make the boss happy, I'll look really good, but then i got to work with him, you know, him or her every day. How am I going to do that? You have to choose which one you're going to do. If you're a student, right, young adult, if you're in college, high school, you, you know how this works in classes. I remember in high school, my math teacher thought that math was the most important thing. And then an hour later, I'd be in English class. And guess what my English teacher thought? It wasn't that math was the most important. It was that English was. And it wasn't their fault that I didn't do any homework. I'd show up the next day, I'd have 15 minutes, and I had to choose. Which, which one am I going to serve? Which homework am I going to do? Is it the math or is it the English? Because somebody going to be unhappy. So we know how this works. You can't serve both. The words that Jesus used, hate and despise, love and devoted, they're a picture, if you will. Devoted means to hold on to, to grasp. Despise means to let go, release, to push away. So this picture image that Jesus gives us is there are things in our life that we hold on to. Is it God or is it money? What are we depending on to make us happy, to fulfill our needs, to provide for us? Is it the worldly things? Is it the possessions that we have? Or is it our relationship with God and what he's calling us to? Because you can't serve both. You hold on to one, the other's got to go. And Jesus is telling us here in this passage that there is something that he wants us to do because we can't have both, right? It's the scales. We either hate one or love, you know, or love it. St. Augustine in the fifth century, probably outside of the Apostle Paul who gave us much of our theology, outside of uh, the biblical uh, expression that we have, the word of God, outside of that, Augustine probably gave us the, the most theology that the Orthodox Church today has, which we would call ourselves a part of the Orthodox Church. And Augustine wrote a book called The City of God where he talked about the city of Rome and how they were, how the empire was doing things, and the city of God, which was the kingdom of God, the way that God has called believers to live. And he compared and contrasted the two and just said one is different than the other. And we see this here in this passage. And I think as followers of Christ and, and as human beings, we struggle with this. So let me just paint a picture of this contrast. The, the world says that what we have, our possessions, we, we should control. If you look at how you spend your money, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy this but not that. I, I'm, I'm gonna control what I have and what I don't have. Not everybody around the world has those options. We don't go to Ethiopia and ask kids, what do you like to eat? It's the same thing every day. They don't have a choice. But for us, we have. We have possessions. So we like to control. I want to do this, not that. And so we think that our possessions are made to, to make us happy and to give us control. The kingdom, trust. Those same children wake up every day. I know. And they trust that God is going to provide for them and give them what they need. And so they trust. And God is calling his church to say, hey, it's not about control and what you have. 
It's about trusting God with what you have and what he's calling you to do with it. We consume. The world consumes. Use it up for our benefit. It's the watches I talked about, right? You could have a pile of whatever it might be. What cell phone are you on now? You know, you've had several. They just keep coming out with new ones and you just keep consuming them and throwing them off to the side, right? That's the way the world uses our possessions, consuming. In the kingdom, we use our possessions to build, to build his kingdom, to establish churches where there aren't any churches, to provide for people who don't have, to, to bring and send missionaries to places where the gospel is not being preached, to help people locally, to meet their needs, to stay in their homes, to keep their lights on, water, clean water for children for a lifetime, things that we use our possessions for in order to build up something more valuable than just another phone. It's using your possessions to create something more valuable, something that has true riches. Third, we keep. Follow me here. <laughs> Math was more important to me than English. It just makes sense, doesn't it? I, you know, I'm not great with English, but control, consume. You would think it would make sense. But anyway, we like to keep things, don't we? If you don't think so, drive around because there's a lot of new storage units being built in this area. And I know that some of you, it's fall right now and you just got those boxes, those totes out, but Christmas is coming and in a few weeks, you're gonna take those totes and you're gonna take all your fall stuff. I know, because we have them. And you're gonna put them in the tote and you're gonna put those away and you're gonna get the Christmas stuff out. And then you're gonna add to the Christmas stuff, which means you're gonna need more totes or another storage space, right? We like to keep, we like to hoard. It's our stuff. I want it, I'm gonna keep it. That's the way the world functions. What does God say? The kingdom, I changed it for those of you. Relax, those of you English grammar. Uh, God calls us to give, to take what we have and to give it to those who have need, to those who don't have the possessions that we have, to give so that other lives might be changed. It goes back to the shrewd manager. The wisest thing he did was to use his wealth to build relationships. How are we doing that? How are we using our time, our talents, and our treasures to give those away that we might see the kingdom of God grow, that we might see people come to know Jesus Christ? The Pharisees were listening in on this conversation. It says that the Pharisees loved money. The Pharisees were the teachers of the law. They were the religious. The passage says that they loved money. They heard all this and they were sneering, mocking Jesus. And he said to them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others. But God knows your hearts. The Pharisees would give according to the law. The law taught them that they were to give a tenth, a tithe. That's what tithe means in the Hebrew, to give a tenth. And so they would give it, but they gave it to say, look what I did. I gave a tenth. Aren't I religious? Aren't I spiritual? I'm doing what God has called me to do. 
Jesus says, ah, you, you do it to make yourselves look good. You do it because it's according to the law, but nothing has changed in here. You don't give out of a love for God and love for others. You're not giving to see the kingdom grow. This is still all about you. And God is calling us to something more. 10% in the New Testament, that's just the minimum. God wants us to give out of generosity. God wants us to go, what do I have and what does God want me to do with it? Those are really the only two questions. He says, you justify yourselves in the eyes of others. Man, we do that all the time. Well, I really need this right now. I know I'll give later, but, you know, my kids, my 401K, my car. Like, we have those things, and we justify it. But God knows our hearts. Is it God or is it money? Because you can't serve both. And then Jesus says, what people value highly is detestable in God's sight. You put it a little bit harsher than I did at the beginning. Basically, what, what you value, God don't. Right? How do we move our hearts? How does God change our hearts? Well, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said this. Another teaching. Uh, he actually taught the very same uh, message in, in Matthew that you can't serve two masters. If you look it up in Matthew 6, 24, it's the same verse, same wording. But right before that, he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, Jesus says, whatever you are giving to, whatever you are using your time, your talents, your treasures towards and giving to, that's where your heart begins to move. And we know this is true. We have possessions that we have. It might be a particular car or a house. You have a house, you're always investing more into that house. You're fixing it up. You're changing this. You're adding that. You're, you're putting in new carpet. You're doing new paint. It's, it's where your treasure is, so you're, you're putting more and more in, and your heart gets more and more, you know, you value that more and more in your heart. You got to have it. It's just natural. It's what happens. Jesus says, man, if that's true, then how do we change our hearts? We start giving to kingdom. And when you start giving to kingdom, your heart will be moved slightly, a little bit more, all the time towards the things that God values. Putting it this way, you develop a heart for kingdom values when you give to kingdom works. Your heart changes. You start growing more and more like Christ, more and more like our generous God when you begin to give to things that matter to God, to eternal things. If what you value, God does not, we have to ask ourselves then what does God value? If we know that God values relationships that bring individuals into the, the church and into the body of Christ for all eternity, then man, we gotta give to that. And when we start to give to that, our hearts begin to turn. We get a little more invested. Our time, our talents, and our treasures giving to those things that God values. One of our elementary kids had a birthday, I think it was a month ago, and they're not the first ones to do this, but they had a birthday and they, they got gifts for their birthday, finances. And they went to their parents and said, I want this to go to global, I want this to go to missionaries. 
And so they came on a Sunday and, and gave their offering, their birthday. It was theirs, their worldly possessions. And man, I, my heart grew. The teacher's heart grew. People who hear that story, our hearts grow just a little bit more like God's to go, wow, that was significant. And we begin to see the value in that. Several years ago, we had an individual in our church who came to me and had come into a gift and said, we've got these funds, what, what would you use them for? And our global team listed like four, four different ideas of things that we knew missionally we wanted to see happen. And one of them was a new relationship with a care point in Ethiopia where we had a partnership with a church and leaders in Ethiopia that were reaching out to children and families and helping them not only be self-sustaining but come to know Christ. But we needed startup funds to make that happen, a vision trip to send people and, and, and a way to organize and structure all of this. They said, that, I wanna do that. And because of their gift and because we established that relationship, now every year, that first-time gift, every year, five times that amount of money goes out to support children, to feed them, to give them clean water, to give them health care, to have them discipled, to see water projects created, a latrine project, jobs for their families or their guardians. Five times the amount goes out every year, and God has multiplied that original gift, and it's because somebody said, what could we do with this? And I see that over and over, and it's not just what we give financially, it's, it's individuals who, uh, who've gone on short-term mission trips, and their heart grows for missions, and so they, they begin to serve more. They do missionary care here through our church. Some of them have felt a full-time call onto the mission field, and they're now serving overseas. We've had individuals in our kids' Shore kids downstairs work with children who have heard about Jesus Christ, have accepted him, want to get baptized, and then a couple of weeks, December 4th, we have families, entire families, who are now getting baptized here. And it's because of what happened with a volunteer who took their time and their talents to serve in our kids' ministry. And their hearts have grown just a little bit more like Jesus. Some of you have opened up your homes as small groups and you've invited strangers into your home, but all of a sudden, they're no longer strangers, they're friends. And you weep with them and you laugh with them and you care for them and you pray for them and your heart just keeps getting bigger and bigger for that group and those people that you, that are part of your family, God's family. Your heart just got a little bit bigger. Because you gave your time, your talents, your treasures, what you have to create something more valuable for the kingdom. Man, the question that we asked at the beginning, what do you value and what do others say? We maybe could ask, what do you give? Because what you give to is what you value. And if you're not happy with the answers that you had at the beginning, the question I would have is, what are you going to do? Is there something that you will choose today to say, if I want my heart to grow closer to being more like Christ, if I want to let go of the things of, world, of this world and I want to hold tightly to God, what am I going to give to 
in order that I might value the kingdom more. We've got a great outplay today. It happens to be Outreach Sunday. It's something we're trying on every fifth Sunday this next year. And so we have ways for you to uh, sign up to volunteer for respite night for foster kids, kids who feel marginalized, who feel forgotten, who feel rejected. It's a night where we can care for them while their foster parents are just getting some rest, maybe doing shopping, whatever it might be. But we are there to build relationships. Let those kids know that we love them in the name of Jesus. That's something you can do to sign up for. You can give blood. We have a blood drive Tuesday. My appointment's at 2.30. Some of you are like, I ain't doing that. But there's a way to sign up this morning. We have a team going to Ethiopia. Maybe you want to be a part of that team to say, you know what, I will. I will give my time and talents and treasures to, to go, to meet these kids, to see what a difference God is making overseas at our care point. Maybe you want to support people who are going on that trip. There's a way to do that. We still have children that need to be sponsored. And there's children out, when you go out this lobby to the left, there are children that you can sponsor. We have an offering box out there for benevolent and global giving. Some of you might not be aware, but we have three major funds here. There's general giving, which if you just give every week, it, it goes to what this church does locally at all of our campuses, the ministries that we have to reach out to the community. But benevolence is another way that you can give, and that benevolence can be multiplied when it comes to meeting needs of those outside of our church and the community, all those funds go to meeting needs in our communities. Maybe it's global. Global is a separate fund. It's how we support our missionaries. It's how we support the global works that we're doing. If you're not giving to benevolent or global giving, that might be an option this morning. That might be a way that you can say, I want my heart to grow more for what is happening around the world. Now, some of you got to meet the two refugee families that our church has supported over the last several years. They were here this morning. We have volunteers who care for them, who drive them places, who teach them English as second language, who fill out forms for them, who've gotten them jobs. Both of those families have a Muslim background, but they have built relationships with people in our congregation so much so that they joined us for service today and they made food by the way it was really good i don't know if you got some but they made food for us as a gift but that relationship wouldn't have happened if we didn't have people in our church who gave their time their talents and their treasures to build something more valuable than just worldly possessions and our hearts get a little bit bigger and a little bit more value towards the kingdom. If you want your heart to grow, the question is, what will you give to? What is God doing for you and how can you become more like him? Let me pray. Lord, thank you for your message. Although it is a hard one, it is a message we need to hear that if we are going to be more like you and if we are to value the things you value, we need to give to those things our time, our talents, our treasures, all that we have in order that we might see others come to know Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, stir us today, whatever that might be, in how we spend our time and what we give to and how we give. Lord, whatever that is, I pray that we today would leave here 
being just that much more closer to being like Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we appropriately are going to close the service with communion today. And when you came in, you should have received a cup. And this is a response to the word. But what a great way to respond because everything that God has done in all of his generosity, all of his love for humanity, in in even creating all of us, God did all of that and gave himself. He gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ, that he might be the the propitiation, that he might be our salvation, that he might take our place for our sins. And Jesus himself gave all that he had. He gave himself and died on the cross for our sins that we might have a relationship with him for all eternity. He took what he had and he gave it for something greater. And that's what he's calling us to. So in a moment, we're going to take communion together, and I'm going to ask us to stand, and we're just going to begin in this time of worship to just prepare our hearts to receive these elements. Let's stand. God of creation, there at the start, before the beginning of time. With no point of reference, you spoke to the dark and fleshed out the wonder of light. As you speak, a hundred billion galaxies are born in the vapor of your breath. The planets form. If the stars were made to worship, so will I. I can see your heart in. signal fire of grace if creation sings your praises so will I so will I God of your promise you don't speak in vain syllable empty or void for once you have spoken all nature and science follow the sound of your
Trade, he gathered with his disciples and he took the bread. It's a flat bread without yeast, representing without sin, which he was. He was pierced. He would shortly be pierced for our transgressions. When Jesus took the bread and he gave thanks, he broke it. He said to his disciples, This is my body. I give to you. I give. We receive the generosity of what God has for us in Jesus Christ. Let us take and eat in remembrance. Then taking the cup, the sweetness of the wine that washed away the bitterness of, of sin in the past. He said, this is the blood of a new covenant, my blood shed for the forgiveness of your sins. Again, a gift that I give to you, that you might be right with God. Let us take and drink in remembrance. Father, we thank you for your generosity and for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, that makes us new. God, I pray that the same heart of generosity, the same love for God and love for others is the way that we, the people of God, live as we give all that we have, our time, talents, and treasures for the kingdom so that others might come to know what we know. Others might have the assurance of eternal life and a relationship with a living God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's continue in worship. Stars were made to worship, so will I. If the mountains bow in reverence, so will I. If the oceans roar, your greatness, so will I. For if everything exists to lift you high, so will I. The wind goes where you send it, so will I. If the rocks cry out in silence, so will I. If the sum of all our praise is still falls shy, then we'll sing again a hundred billion times.
as you speak. A hundred billion failures disappear. You lost your life so I could find it here. If you left the grave behind you, so will I. I can see your heart in everything you've done Every part designed in a work of art called love If you gladly chose surrender, so will I I can see your heart in Precious one, a child you died to save. If you gave your life to love them, so will I. Like you would again a hundred billion times. But one measure could amount to your desire. You're the one. heard the words of that song, but basically all that God has done, everything that's been created, all that he has given himself to is so that you and I might know him. That's why he's generous. And he believes that you and I are more valuable than anything this world has or anything that we possess. Oh, would it be church, what would it look like if his followers did the same? If we gave, that others might know Jesus Christ. And if you don't know, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior and you're, you're here today, I want you to know everything that you see around you, this facility, the ministries that we have, what we give to, what God has given to, it's for you. God loves you more than all of this, and he wants you to know him. So my prayer is that you would receive him as your Savior and simply say yes to him. And if you do that, please let me know. Talk with someone who invited you. Let them know that you are ready to be the most valuable thing in all of God's kingdom. Why don't you open up your hands and I'll give a blessing. And now may God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, continually fill you with his spirit. Oh, may this week you find your heart growing more like Christ as you give your time and your talents and your treasures to the very things that God values in his kingdom. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.